Welcome to Brand New Nation with your hosts, Danny and Chris. Danny helps personal brands make thousands of dollars selling their online courses at Udemy. Chris is owner of ChrisDidIt.com and has created online homes for powerhouse women, including Grammy-winning artist Chrisette Michelle. Each week, Danny and Chris speak with YouTubers, bloggers, and entrepreneurs about how they're getting paid to pursue their passions and to help you create your personal roadmap to do what you love for a living and thrive. Are you ready to get brand new? Let's listen in on Danny and Chris now. Hey, Brand New Nation, Chris here. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. Today, we're talking with Jabari Johnson. Jabari is host of Jabari Presents, where he interviews public figures, including Diggy Simmons, he also built two successful event businesses, Surprise Party and now The Colors Party. And most recently, he started Volume Visual, an apparel company by Coastal. He also is the host of another one of our favorite podcasts, Words with Friends. That's right. Danny here. Uh, in this interview, you're going to hear how he was able to land private extended interviews with public figures and celebrities, people like Nicki Minaj, Macklemore, and Justin Bieber, uh, he's going to talk about how he turned a surprise birthday party concept into a full-time events business. And you're also going to hear how he helps musicians and entertainers such as Chanel West Coast grow their YouTube channels to 250,000 plus subscribers and helps them attract sponsors and advertisers. And I know that I, for one, am super excited about this interview. I've been following Jabari for years, um, you know, way back before Twitter was cool, before uh, when we were still on MySpace, like that long ago. And I, uh, I got introduced to him from a mutual friend. I didn't realize one of my really good friends was working with him on planning Trilectro, uh, the music festival. And so I brought him up in conversation and he's like, oh yeah, I'll intro you, no problem. And he said, you know, Jabari is one of the most solid people I know. When he says he does, when he says he's going to do something, he does it. And uh, yeah, and that's been the case. Yes. And I loved having him on this episode. He, I mean, I learned so much from him and it's so inspiring to know that he's actually been on this journey since what, since high school, he was managing a band and he's yeah. always been in the music industry. So it's been awesome to see that he's just been in the game for so long. Yeah. I would say definitely one of the things I loved was his message about leverage and just taking mm -hmm. that first kind of experience you get and using that to help you get an even larger opportunity. So um, that's one thing you'll see in the interview. He was able to land an interview with Nicki Minaj, which then led to an interview with Justin Bieber, which then led to Macklemore, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So for you guys in Brand New Nation, you'll learn how you can leverage the current experiences you have in exchange for larger opportunities in the future. Yes. Awesome. Should we get into the call? Let's do it. I'm now playing our call with Jabari Johnson, uh, founder of The Colors Party by Coastal, Jabari Presents, Volume Visual, and Words with Friends. So Jabari, we are so excited to have you on Brand New Nation. So let's talk about how you got brand new. You had three key moments on your journey that got you to this point in your life and career. So can you tell us about those three moments? Yeah, uh, first off, thank you for having me, ladies. Um, the first uh, the first moment, for sure, was uh, just me being in high school and managing artists. Um, 
luckily I had a mom who was very supportive of, of everything that I wanted to do from like a very early age. Um, so when I was like 14, 15, uh, I went to high school in Columbus, Ohio. I moved from New York to Columbus and, um, and I was managing a rap group, uh, at the time. And then I was just running around the city trying to sort of like get people to listen to our demo and, and, uh, and I met a DJ, um, by the name of DJ Steph Floss. And he's like a really popular DJ now. He DJs for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, and at the time he was like a student at Ohio State. And I used to just like carry his crates all over the city. And I used to like mm-hmm. be 15, 16 years old, like sneaking in clubs with him and like setting wow. up records and stuff like that. Um, and like through that, I got to meet a lot of people like Cameron and Juels and Mike Jones. Oh, crazy. Yeah. When I was super young. Um, and that sort of just let me understand that it was very possible to be around, um, entertainers and people that, you know, I looked up to and people that whose music I really liked and was listening to that, that just let me know that it was like a reality. Um, and then like Mm -hmm. funny story, Cameron like moved. He was like living in Columbus for a while and he had a house that was like um like the next neighborhood over from where me and my uh me and my friends grew up. And so we used to see him at like basketball games, um, in the city, like and one basketball games and just like all around. We see his pink Range Rover like in the Walmart parking lot. Um <laughs> oh, and, wow. and uh and this is like at the height of, Yeah, yeah. It was like <laughs> at the height of Cameron. Um and wow. so yeah, that was just like, uh, and then most of my family is from Harlem and the Bronx in New York. So mm. I would go up to Cameron and be like, hey, man, like, do you know my cousin? Da, 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 da. Like, it's Harlem, everybody knows each other there. So uh, oh. he was like, yeah, I know them. Like, I grew up with my older cousins and stuff like that. So it was just like really cool to be, you know, at such a young age, 16, and like, you know, knowing and being able to have these conversations with like, people who were on TV at the time, you know what I mean? It was just like, mm-hmm. and like we used to open up, me and the group that I used to manage, we used to open up for, or we opened up once for like the band when they came in town. And like, mm-hmm. so all of that stuff, I felt like to say, just really like, let me know that the things that I wanted to pursue was, you know, uh, was, it was, it, it could be a reality. And it was a reality like very, very early on. Um, so that was like the first step the first moment was like make like letting me know that this stuff could happen so then the second moment my mom went to uh my mom was a huge influence on in my life um Mm -hmm. and she went to howard um so she would take me to like the homecomings and stuff and uh and that's when i was like oh well i gotta go to this school because all these all these people in the entertainment industry went here Mm. and when i would go to the homecomings i would go and see like just all these artists performing and, and I would just, I would, I I thought that the school throughout the whole year was like it was during homecoming. And I was like, when you got there as a student, you were very, yeah. like, where? Yeah. I was like, oh man. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. At, well, more at that time, I was like, where's Obi Trice or somebody like that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, so yeah, but that was really uh, the, the, the next biggest moment because at Howard is when I started doing interviews um, and I started, uh, mm-hmm. you know, interviewing artists when they came to my school or it just everybody that was in D.C. at the time, like Wale, Tabby Benet, um, just uh, all, I interviewed so many local D.C. artists, EXO, 
Um, and then I would start to move to like other artists when they would come to DC because DC is a pretty big market for like promo. And whenever somebody has like an East Coast promo run, they always stop um, through like New York. So how did you? How are you interviewing the artists though at Howard? Because it's like you know you were just another student there. So yeah. what platform were you using? You know to to interview them. Yeah. Well, at this time, I mean, uh, YouTube was like just starting, um, and. What I, I, I sort of knew that, okay, like you said, I'm just a nobody. I'm just a kid at school, at a, at a college. So no artist is just going to let me just interview them just for nothing. So I uh, approached this website, hiphopgame.com. And at the time, they were the biggest, like, hip-hop website, pretty much. It was like them and all hiphop.com. Um, mm. And I said, hey, all these artists come to my school to do promo. And I was like, if... If only I could tell them that I'm working at Hip Hop Game and this interview is going to go on this website for sure, they will all let me interview them. And so that's kind of how I approached them. And then wow. I, you know, I approached the artist like, you know, hey, I'm working at Hip Hop Game. This interview is going to go on the front page. You know, can you give me five minutes? And um, both parties would say yes. Uh, Hip Hop Game gave me the okay first and then the artist gave me the okay um, and then that was really it. And then I just, I just was grinding so hard. I was doing like one interview a week. And once I was like wow. done doing the interviews in DC and everything like that, I would always travel. I would like jump on a Greyhound bus. And that's like when I first met Nicki Minaj, I was like talking to Nicki on the internet for a long time before. Like, wait, wait, I was talking to her on, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was talking to her on the internet. I, you know, we were just messaging on my face. We were just talking on the yeah, internet. That, like, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. That's that's really how it happens. Like, uh, oh, seriously? What? Oh. Yeah, yeah. I would just like hit her oh, up on crazy. MySpace, and then I think we started like following each other on Twitter. And mind you, this is oh. this is back when like, you know, I'm like the only one. I mean, it's like me and maybe like, like 15 people at Howard who even know who Nicki Minaj is. You know what I mean? Like, wow. So so like, I was just really into people's music early on, mm. and she had put out this mixtape. I think it was called like. Uh, Playtime is over. That might have been our first mixtape. And I had downloaded mm -hmm. that and was listening to that. And then she would always send me music, like, to get on hip-hop game. So she would send me oh, music. Okay. And, like, she was the only artist that was sending me, like, music and pictures. Like, she would be like, hey, I just did this photo shoot. What do you think about these pictures? Like, post, you know, you should try to post the best ones. But, like, you tell me what the best ones are. And blah, blah, blah. Wow. So, uh, Crazy. Yeah. So then when I finally met her and we did the interview, you know, it was just like, that was a classic interview. I mean, that interview on my channel, I think, and like, it's on a bunch of other places on, on YouTube too. It has like millions of views that, that interview. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, that was like, that was the second thing was just making, like understanding going, going to school at a place where you would be like right in the mix and like, you know, I, I could have access to all these things. Like I, I saw that this was like one of the entertainment meccas in terms of like you know producing students for the entertainment industry um wow yeah and then and then just that was that was the second sort of moment and then um and then the third was just really understanding that you know after i was done with school i had all these interviews under my belt it was time to like it was time to do something um you know on on like a larger level with like a bigger company i i, I have been independent for a long time um, and I still am very independent, but at the same time, like I have worked at a regular job, but like, it's, it's hard to say it was a regular job. I mean, I was the first, uh, I was the first person with 
my particular job at Capitol Records. So long story short, the, the mm. third the third thing was working at Capitol Records and BET. I worked at BET and Capitol at the same time, but it was both in like non-traditional roles, whereas like at Capitol, I, I pretty much was uh, dealing with all of the digital video uh, from the New York office for a lot of the artists. Like So like starting artists' YouTube channels and then producing the content for their channels and producing Whoa. content for like that would live on other people's websites and stuff like that and coming up with like all types of video marketing campaigns. Um, and that nobody had that job before. Um, and I was like the youngest person working at the label at the time. Um, and, uh, and so that, and at the same time, while I was there, I was also, I had a, a digital web series with BET that was like, it was called face to face. And it was like, basically artists would, uh, I would interview artists before they would get to like 106 or something like that. So I was like the first person to have J. Cole or Mac Miller or a bunch of these artists on like a BET platform before they would get on like the 106 couch and stuff like that. Um, mm, wow. So, so yeah, that was like the third key step is like working with these bigger companies, but still having like, you know, um, still having a lot of like room to do what I wanted and like creative control and things like that. Um, and yeah, and, and, and that was, that's kind of how I learned to like, you know, things like run a business or, you know, cause like at Capital I had sort of a, a sort of like my own business within a business. I was kind of like running a little baby production studio, you know, within a record label. And then with BET, that was the that was the real first time I I mean not first time but like that's when I started to understand like okay this is how you write an invoice and like this is how long you have to wait for like payments from companies and like you know all that stuff um that's when that stuff get started to get you know more serious and under, understanding like how much to 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 charge a company for your work and you know so that yeah those those are those are pretty much like the three key things um and then uh and then i don't know i, I also my macklemore documentary was like another big moment too um mm. but uh but yeah that those are pretty much like the main the main three uh moments so how did the the macklemore documentary come about um kind of the same thing i mean all, all of these things happen kind of the same way whereas like i mm -hmm. i uh I'm, i try to be early on with a lot of these artists like a lot of I'm, I'm just like a music head so i listen to a lot of stuff when it's like you know in its early phases and macklemore even even macklemore i thought i was on him pretty late like i mean i i had listened to him and ryan their first project was called the versus ep um but they were both like separate artists before that project um and macklemore had a huge buzz in seattle i went to school with a few people from seattle and and uh, they had all sort of heard of Macklemore. Um, and, you know, he was, just, he was just like a big hometown hero type of guy before, you know, this mainstream success. And even when I got on him, you know, again, it was like, I think Macklemore, I hit him up on Twitter or something. And I did an interview with him in New York, uh, probably in like 2010. Um, and it never came out. Uh, I actually just have this like, OG footage of Macklemore um, and Ryan just like eating in some coffee shop. Um, <laughs> I'll probably use it. Wait, like, so from, you like, got that? 
through Twitter. You're saying back in 2010. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh, yeah. You just like tweeted yeah. at him and was like, "Hey man, like I want to." Well, I had, I had, I had so many. Like what I, what I always do is like once I got something, I always use that something to get the next thing, right? So it was like, okay, you know, when I had Nikki, it was like I showed that to Scooter Braun. And was like, hey man, I did this interview with Nicki Minaj, and like, look, she blew up like six months later. Like, I know you got this new kid, Justin Bieber. Like, watch this interview, and like, you know, Justin Bieber has no interviews with any like sort of hip hop channels or whatever ah. stuff like that. And so I was like, let me be like that first guy to interview Justin. And at the time, like, Justin probably did like maybe ten to fifteen interviews or something like that before. It wasn't a lot. Um, and so. Yeah, so like, you know, and then with, with Ben and Ryan, I was just like, hey, guys, like, you know, they they had already seen my interviews. So that was like, because at this time, like I had interviewed when I was in college, I interviewed like easily 50 to 60 artists, you know. And so like, wow, they, they were already familiar with my interviews online. And so they were like, yeah, like we're totally down. And then when we when we did it and we met in person, like you know, Macklemore would ask me about like managers and like, he was like, for the longest, I was trying to help him find a manager. He was managing himself. Um, and he just was like trying to figure out how to become big, but like big in the hip hop community, you know, not like he, mm. he, he, was, he was big in like this Seattle community, but he wanted to be big and just like, you know, I mean, at the time, the people who were like sort of rising up in the ranks were the J. Coles, the Wale's, the Drake all those, but he wanted to be, like, mentioned in the same category as those guys. Um, mm. But, yeah, he was just kind of, like, still this, like, underground kind of kind of dude, but, like, like a step, like, one step below underground than those guys were at the time. Um, and so I was just kind of giving him advice and telling him, like, hey, man, this is, this is what you should do. This is the blogs you should try to get on, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then later on, um, when I was, when it was time for me to do like my documentary series, Jabari Presents, like the second season of it, um, I just wanted him to be the first guy because his album was finally coming out. And, you know, at, like when his album was coming out, we was working on it. Like he, he hadn't, he put out Thrift Shop maybe like a little bit before that. So like it, his album, he had been working on it for so long, him and Ryan, but they didn't have any, it was no like lead up, you know what I mean? Like, like, it was like mm -hmm. Thrift Shop came out and then the album came out. It was very, it was very much like at the same time. And that mm -hmm. led to a lot of his success because, you know, you could hear the full body of work at the, at the height of that song. You know what I mean? It wasn't like that song is huge. And then like the album is dropping six months later, you know, like which a lot of artists do. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, luckily he was just complete. He was just super down for me to like, come and shoot a doc on him um and he was like hey man you could either like do it when we have our show at Lollapalooza or you can do it in Seattle when we're shooting our next music video and I was like oh, I'd rather come to your hometown shoot this music video I had no idea what the music video was and then mm -hmm. um you know I, I get there and uh uh he scoops me up we just like start rolling around Seattle and um and he's like yeah I'm gonna play the song in a little bit and like they were shooting some stuff they were shooting like the scene with the DeLorean. So like there was no music playing, I don't think, uh -huh. at this time. I still hadn't heard the song. And I heard, an, I, and then like, uh, he took me, or, or I think Ryan took me and my DP around um, and we rode to two songs. He was like, this is the song. 
And um, and he plays Thrift Shop, and he played another song with Schoolboy Q and, and my girl Hollis, and that was called White Wall. And I liked that song way better. And uh, I was mm-hmm. like, man, you guys should shoot a video for this one right after this. <laughs> and he, was, he was like, yeah. Do I forget this um, video? <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, little little did I know. I mean, even, like, the whole time we are shooting the video, like, I'm the only one there. I'm the only one that has, like, behind-the-scenes uh, documentary footage of the thrift shop video. Like, nobody wow. else really has this. That is um, crazy. So, yeah, I, I just had no idea that, like, that song was going to be so big. It was just, it was super fun, though. It was, like, one of the funnest times shooting that video it was i mean i'm in the video for a hot second too like like with this crazy gucci hat on acting like <laughs> um but uh but it was just like a really fun week and i mean you know they just that city and ben and ryan they just opened their arms to me so much and like you know we just went around and had some amazing thai food and just went to all these bars in the city and and um and then next thing you know the video just took off and i put my film out like the week the week before the album dropped oh no i'm sorry i I put my film out the week of the album so it was like Mm -hmm. you know my film really centered around macklemore being an artist who is very independent he's you know loading up his own u-haul truck it talked a little Mm -hmm. bit about his addiction struggles um and it was just it it was just the perfect timing because it was like here these guys they put out this song and it just is ends up being the biggest song of 2012 but mm-hmm. as well you had this opportunity to get a really in-depth and personal look into their life through my film so it was like i mean it was crazy how many sites and and and, and like huge sites like the atlantic and all these all these just major sites were like posting about my film and um, writing reviews on it, you know, as long as well as like, you know, they're writing about the album, and it was just crazy. And so now, you know, that that video had like over six hundred thousand views on YouTube, and and uh, and I mean, I've licensed that film to like MTV International and all types of other things. So it's like it, it, that that was able to catapult my sort of filmmaking career um, into a whole nother you know realm, and um, and has allowed me to like now I'm working on my next uh off youtube film which is my first like yeah my first film project that's going to be like off youtube um so i'm excited about that oh wow okay um that's so that was a lengthy story no that was awesome (laughs) i did not yeah like i've watched that video you know i've seen like the justin bieber the Nicki Minaj video and i've watched the um the macklemore one but it's great to hear like you know the whole story around it um that was amazing and so you're definitely, like, I remember finding you, I think, um, through Jabari Presents. That's probably when I first, like, heard about you, like, years ago. Um, I have, like, you know, that group of people I've been following for years. Uh, and you're one of them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're really known for your filmmaking, documentaries, interviews. Um, but you also throw events. And, you know, you were throwing one called Surprise Party for years um, uh, since, I think, 2011. And mm-hmm. most recently, you started a brand, um, Colors where you hold these bi-coastal parties, um, you know, in L.A. and New York. So if you could just share with everyone, I mean, you've been really successful at these parties. Like, what are the steps to throwing a successful party? Yeah, I mean, so the first step is, like, have, have like, a lot of friends. You know what I mean? Like, so for me, <laughs> it, was, it, it, was, it was a birthday party. How, that's when we, when in 2011, um, I, I – 
through the first party with me and my uh, partner at the time, Kevin, we we wanted to throw a birthday party for me, um, as well as like a celebration for my BET deal because I had just got that mm-hmm. web series. Um, mm-hmm. So we were like, yeah, man, let's like let's just throw this party. It'll be fun. We get like all of our friends to come through and boom and like it, it was in like, a really small club in New York and uh and and we I mean we, we it was no business model at all attached to it I mean we 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 were working with some promoter and like they took all the money and uh but it, it wasn't even about that it was just we just right. wanted it to be super fun and like we snuck uh we snuck bottles of or not even but what uh we had like um whipped cream uh like alcohol infused whipped cream and, oh, nice. um, and we like snuck that into the 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 venue and we were just like pouring it down girls throats and just like kind of <laughs> just like falling, just, okay. just really like wild and crazy um stuff and uh and yeah and then we had like all these like little polaroid cameras and we were taking polaroid pictures oh, cool. so one thing was just like let's just make this an epic fun time um yeah. like we were kids and um and then it just ended up working and like that party like 200 people came to that party and and mind you this is like wow this is before we knew anything about email capture or like and, and i mean just mm-hmm. was, like i said there's absolutely no business model attached to it it was just a twit mm-hmm. pic that we posted up and um we were just like hey come here and we just kept tweeting it like 24 7. Um, wow. and, and then like that many people came and we were like, oh, wow, this, this can actually turn into something. And we could just like, we could, uh, we could just throw parties. And the whole thing was like, we didn't just want to throw parties, but like, we were young, we were 21, no, we were like 22 at the time. And we had just, you know, we were both working in, in, uh, in New York and we were young guys roaming the city trying to have fun all the time, trying to go to different events. But like so many events in New York at the time were like, you can't get in unless you have five girls with you and they all need mm-hmm. you wearing heels and they all need wearing tight dresses. And like, you know, we, we just wanted to come and party at places. And like, there wasn't a, there weren't that many places where we could just go dressed how we were dressed and like, you know, have a good time and be comfortable. Or it was like, we would have to pay all this money to like buy a bottle and all this stuff. And it's like, at the time, come on, man, we're, we're like entry level jobs. Like there's no way we're yeah. buying bottles of nowhere. Like mm-hmm. this is not going down. Um, and so we were just like, you know, F this, this like pretentious BS. We were just like, let's just throw our own party and like have a different spin on it. Um, and so then we came up with the name Surprise Party and we wanted it to be like a surprise at each party. Um, and so for a few years, we did that pretty successfully. And like we, we had like, we had like internet sensations come and like perform at parties and just random mm-hmm. stuff. Like we, we would just have a bunch of random, uh, cool things going on at the party. So that's how that kind of just started. But then, uh, later on, I mean, after I saw sort of like, you know, the, 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 the success of surprise party and, and I wanted to create something a little more, um, what's the word? Uh, just a little more consistent. Um, so I kind of was like, look, I want to do this monthly party, the biggest. After I found that, like, I had this audience in, in multiple cities, I was like, all right, I want to just sort of strip this thing down, make it every month. People know what it is. They know, like, the time it is. Because Surprise Party was very, uh, it was very sporadic. It was a surprise. Whenever we mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> we hear about it two weeks before, and then that was it. Um, but this color is a bit different. 
and it's like mm. it's at the same venue in New York and LA. It's 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 at the end of the the month every the last weekend of every month in New York and the first weekend of every month in LA. Um, mm. And it's just like it's kind of the same ethos and principle of surprise party where it's like it's no judgment, straight judgment free zone, and it's all about like just a good time, good people, good music, and it's uh there's no VIP and there's no dress code, and um you know it's just it's just a place where you don't have to worry about you know how much money you have or like are you in a VIP section or all this stuff, and and there's so many people that come. It's like there'll be celebrities in there partying with, you know, just everyday folks who, you know, work regular jobs. And like, that's what I like about it. Um, and that's kind of like, that is what it, this thing has sort of become. Uh, and yeah, I just, I just really like throwing events and, and not necessarily like the, like producing an event is not what, what I'm passionate about. I really enjoy like mm -hmm. connecting people and I really enjoy, you know, people, uh, a lot of my friends and even people that, I mean, I don't even, I, I, I probably know like maybe 20% of the people at these parties now. They're just so big now. Um, but I, I just enjoy when people come up to me and say, Hey man, like, you know, I just met this person and now we're working on this project or, you know, like my friend met his like girlfriend that he's probably about to get engaged to at my party now. You know what I mean? Like, so oh, wow. that's, that's um that's that's what I like. I like those stories a lot more. And like you know, people. I just like when people are comfortable and they're like having a good time. And like that moment when like some song comes on from your childhood and everybody's like oh. And then you know, it's mm -hmm. just like it's just it's just a, a a place where you're not worrying about like the problems or the struggles of like your everyday life. You know, like for like three hours, all that sort of stuff is kind of like gone, and you're just in the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, so, I remember. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go for it. Oh, I was going to say that um, <laughs> what was like a year and a half ago, I think it was the first surprise party in L.A. And I was telling uh, Danny, like, hey, I just got this invite to a surprise party. And she was like, you have to go. Oh, my gosh. I know. You I know like, about that. So I definitely made it out. And I've gone twice so far. I haven't had a chance to go to Colors yet. But Surprise Party, the music was amazing. And that's probably the biggest thing of all the clubs, especially here in L.A., is, like, the music is not consistently great throughout the night. And Surprise Party was. That's why I really loved it. So what's the difference between yeah. surprise party and colors? Because I felt like colors had a whole other vibe. Is there not, or is it? No, nah, I mean honestly, yeah, not not really. I mean, I mean the the only thing is like colors is like I said, it's just consistent. You know, you know, you know where it's gonna be. You know mm -hmm. um, when it's gonna be, uh, and we don't really have like surprise performances or anything like that. But it's just gotcha. it's just mm -hmm. more so focused on that's just the actual party and like not the bells and whistles of um of a party you know but that's not to say it's you know I, honestly like just the way that this thing is sort of moving now it's like colors is like kind of bigger now um it's it's so many people that come to this thing it's kind of crazy um but you know that's a lot of that is a lot of that is due to sure word of mouth and all of that but i've also like been able to understand a little bit more about like the marketing side of how to get people to events um and, you know, throwing free events versus throwing paid events and, like, how that differs and stuff like that. So, yeah, but it's um, it's, it's, yeah. it's dope. It's, can you uh, share a little bit about that? You should definitely come. Oh, yeah, yeah for can sure. Can you share a little um, bit just about kind of 
so, you know, some people, they look at, I mean, they know that, you know, throwing events, throwing parties is like a real business. Like it makes sense, you know, to build your brand and your business and then others don't really see it. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. if you can kind of break down um, what you've learned in terms of, you know, it as a business um, and kind of what you're gaining by throwing these parties. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's literally like I was one of those people where, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know what it could do. You know what I mean? Like from so many, there's so many elements of like how it enhances my, my life and my like businesses, mm-hmm. all of them. Right. So like, for instance, I'll, 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 I'll get to like the, the, uh, obviously like this, the, like the mechanics of like the business of it and the monetary side of it and all that. But like what, you know, when you have this event, right. And like, you're somebody who knows a lot of people, but like, I can't always afford to like meet with people 24 seven, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, I can't always have like meetings every week, but what I can do is say, Hey, come here. And like, we can talk to a side here. You know what I mean? And like that I'm able to just like kind of knock a bunch of things out uh, at once. You know what I mean? So like from a time perspective, like what it does for me is like really cool. Um, and then also from like a, uh, just like being educated on like what is hot in music, you know what I mean? Like I always make sure that like my DJs, my DJs are like, you know, very important and, you know, they, they have to know what's going on. So like I'm always in tune with like what is dope right now, you know? So like that's another thing. Um, and then, you know, from a, from like a business perspective, it's like, the 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 stuff that I've learned about like email marketing and like you know selling tickets and then you know eventually selling merchandise um I kind of treat it just like an artist treats a show right so like I've been around so many artists and successful artists and I understand that like with an artist like their revenue comes from majority of it comes from like their live show, right? So like when they go on tours and they sell tickets and da da da. But to get to a point where you are able to sell tickets to something, it's like you have to have a hot song, you know? So it's like for me with the party thing, it's the same sort of, it's the same sort of uh, idea. It's like, but it's kind of like genius in a sense because it's like I don't have to make the songs. I just have to like hire the DJs to play the songs that are hot. And just make sure that the party itself is hot and that people would want to come to it. You know what I mean? And so it's like mm-hmm. when I was coming to L.A., like I started doing parties in L.A. And like I did a I did a free party. And that was the first party we threw out here. That was um actually last Fourth of July. And so it was huge. It was a good turnout. Oh, and one. then like, yeah. yeah, that was the one you were at. Yep. And yeah. so then I did another party that was paid and it was like way less people and like I was at it, that was one still a, yeah. <laughs> it was still a cool party you know what I'm saying but it was like it just mm-hmm. wasn't you know I hadn't I hadn't given LA enough of a taste of what I could bring for mm-hmm. them to just automatically pay right so right. then when I started mm-hmm. throwing colors out here I threw colors and I did four months of free parties with colors mm-hmm. so you know it's like, if you didn't come to one, like some people only came to one, but some people came to four, all four. And like, if you came to one or if you came to four, you knew that they were all dope or you knew that like one of your friends went and they said it was dope. And like, 
you know what I mean? It was just like, it, I, I built the name out here a little more. So when I started to charge, it was like, okay, we know this thing is decent. You know what I mean? Like we will pay for it. Um, mm-hmm. So like, you know, that's, that's, that's one of the things, but also it's, it's just like from an email marketing perspective, right? It's like when you're throwing something, it's way easier to get somebody to RSVP and give up their email for something than it is to get them to like take out their debit card and like deduct money from their account. That's mm-hmm. just like, it's just, it's just way easier. And so for me, it became like a numbers game of like, okay, you know, if I throw this many free parties and get the email list to this amount, and then I only, and then I sell tickets to like five to 10% of the email list, let's say 10. And I was like, if I sell, you know, if the email list is at 3000 people and I sell a 10% of that 300 people and the average ticket price is like, you know, between 10 and 15 bucks, like then I'm in a good space. You know what I mean? And so like mm-hmm. that was the that was the methodology of how I started to think. And then it then becomes like, well, how do you get the maximum amount of people to RSVP? Right. And then it's like, well, how do you, you know, you have to put like a time limit on the, the on the like the time you can RSVP because there's two moments in an event when like people react the most to the email. Right. And that's the beginning when you first send it out about like, mm-hmm. hey, this is the new party. And then it's it's the last like day. Right. And it's right. Like, that's the same thing on Kickstarter. That's the same thing on anything that is time sensitive. It's always like the first moment and the last moment is when you're going to get the most traction. Right. So for that's me, so it's good. like, well, you know, you want people you want your tickets to sell out and you want your your there to be a lot of buzz before. So like what I'll do is I'll give a discount code for people that buy early. Like, you know, when one party ends immediately, the ticket link for the next party goes up and you have an opportunity to buy that ticket for $5 up until like, you know, maybe seven days before the party. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you can get a ticket with a discount code, an early bird discount code. And what happens is like a lot of people will buy that ticket and then, it's like if you sell, you know, 100 to 150 of those tickets, it's all good that you're like losing money because what you're gaining in word of mouth and the fact that like mm. way before the party, a bunch of people have already purchased tickets, like you don't have to do that much promo to get those other 150 tickets sold. And now those other 150 tickets are sold at $10 or they're sold at the day of price, which is $20. You know what I mean? So like, I personally, I hate when people are like, I, I don't want to charge people $20 to come to this party. But like, if you wait for the last minute, like, it's just kind of like, you just, just, you just got to eat that, man. That's what you yeah. got to deal with. Um, and just to clarify, but, you, so know, you said, um, sorry, this is something you said that um, when they go to the party, the very mm-hmm. next day, you send out the next party, right? You like yeah, well, the opportunity well, to buy it, like so, early bird. Yeah, that's a good question. So, so like, mind you, I, I'm like, I'm kind of like, I'm like a scientist when it comes to this stuff. Like I really sit down and like, just look at my email data and like me and my friends sit down. I also consult on this music festival, Trilectro. So like we all, like all of our businesses based on email marketing and selling tickets when it comes to this event stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. is separate from like the film stuff. But so what I noticed is that, you know, there's things that people want post party and that is pictures, right? So like the, the parties on a Friday, 
And on a, on a Monday, I always send out the pictures. I, it never comes after that, right? So, like, I send people an email with the pictures on a Monday because I know that, like, if I send it on a Tuesday, it's, like, way less people will open because just, like, the, the further you get from the party, the less people care about the party, right? Mm. And so everybody wants to see themselves in pictures. So what I do is I'll send the, the recap photos and I'll put a bunch of photos in the email and say, hey, come get the photos here or come look at the photos here. But also in that email is the discount code and the link to buy tickets for the next party. And where I got mm. that sort of like immediate, uh, immediate pre-sale idea was from, was from Coachella. Like Coachella... Yeah. <laughs> when, I mean, it's yeah. literally you, you, you walk away from Coachella and they're selling you tickets to the next Coachella, you know? Right. So that's, um, I was going to say, uh, world domination, that. uh, world domination summit does it too. So yeah, oh, I was asking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. Cause you're on yeah. such a high from the event. Yeah. Like, absolutely. of course I'm going to go to the next one, but that's smart yeah. to mm-hmm. pair it with the photos. I haven't, um, yeah. I haven't heard oh, that and then before. There's a whole nother like growth hack I have too with, uh, with the photos. What I do with the photos is, and so like, this is another like part of the business side of these parties, right? It's like, so people think that the party is free when it's free, right? So like, when it was free, they'll be like, oh, it's a free party. Yeah. And technically it's not free. What you're giving me mm-hmm. is the ability to contact you, right? You're giving right. me your email. And so that to me, like I haven't done the math and like done the, the, the formula to actually see how much one email is worth for mm-hmm. in, in my business, but it's it's there's some dollar sign attached to it, right? I just mm-hmm. don't but um, so yeah, so like when people give me their email, you know that is what that I'm, the, I'm I'm hoping to eventually make them a customer. They might not, they might never become a customer. They might just know about stuff that I'm doing, and I'm able to like send them stuff of what I'm working on and blah blah blah. But like at the end of the day, you 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 want to be giving so much value in whatever it is that you're selling that eventually that person is able to, you know, feel comfortable in giving you money for something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they put a higher value on it, right? So, like, when it's a free party, they're like, oh, yeah, I might, or I'll RCP, but I might not show up. When it's a paid party, they'll be like, oh, no, no, I got to go there. Because I just mm-hmm. spent And I paid my money. Paid my money. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so, you know, um, so and what I was saying with the growth hack with the, uh, with the, with the tickets is, um, and for me, like, this is, like, a huge thing that I've, I've realized, and we're about to start, like, doing some stuff like this with Trilectro, most likely. But um, but basically, like, everybody wants these pictures, right? So, like, what I'll do is I'll send them the pictures, and I'll link them to Instagram, and but I'll make the Instagram private, right? So, like, you have to follow the Instagram to see if your picture made it on there. And it always oh, works like a charm. Wow. Like, people always follow the Instagram as soon as I send those recap pictures because they want to see. They wow. want to see if they, you know, they made it on there. And um, and for me, that it's like from doing this stuff like time and time again and learning what what it is. And 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 really, it's just about like like people don't even realize that this is going on. You know what I mean? They're just like, right. oh, Instagram's private. I gotta follow. You know what I mean? But they don't understand that yeah. it's very strategic. Um, and that's good. I don't necessarily want them to, but like, even if they do, who cares? But like, for me, it's like, it's like a lot of people have to start thinking about business. Like if you are giving away something for free, you've got to be getting something back. You know what I mean? Like you've got to be, you got to be there. There always has to be an exchange. You know what I mean? And sometimes Mm -hmm. in that, in that, uh, in that like business customer relationship, that exchange is not always money. 
right? But it could be something else. But understand that, like, if you're giving away something, you got to understand what your value is and that, like, there needs to be an exchange, a value exchange, you know, from from whatever it is that you're giving to, like, whatever it is your customer is getting. Um, and as, and again, you know, I'm not, I'm not, like, getting over on anybody or I'm not, like, tricking people into doing anything. It's just, like, I'm providing stuff and services that are actual are of actual value. You know what I mean? I like right. really busted my ass mm-hmm. like all these years to be able to like provide something that I thought was unique and dope and like it makes it out of the circle of like my friends who all have like good taste and all this shit like and mm-hmm. then we put it out into the world. You know what I mean? But like it has to make it to like through like a certain level of like people who I really respect and trust and I say, "Hey man, like, do you think this is worth somebody paying for? Or, hey, man, like, do you think that, like, people will, you know, give me their email if it's like this and blah, blah, blah. Like, because I spend, like, so much time on design and aesthetic and making sure things look right. Um, and, yeah, so I just want people to, like, when they when they are giving me their email or when they are giving me their money or when they are giving me their, their time with my films or anything like that, I just want people to always step back and say, like, that was worth it. Yes. That's excellent. Thank you for for breaking that down. I'm actually curious, you know, um, Danielle and I, we both, we've taken Marie Forleo's B-School, and pretty much that whole program is a $2,000 program. It's all about email marketing, really, when you get down to it. And Mm -hmm. it's such a huge skill, you know, to learn, and it takes a long time for people to even understand what that really is and how much value is attached to getting someone to subscribe to your email list. So how did you learn about email marketing besides, you know, looking and observing other artists? And are there any websites or resources that you can share with Brandy Nation on the call? Yeah, I mean, so I learned about email marketing in, a, in I mean, in such a, uh, a non-traditional way, right? I mean, like my email, my, I'll tell you what my email marketing was first. It was like straight <laughs> spam. Like I was, I, when I was at Howard, I was, I would, I would, I would, print all of my Facebook friends out on the computer or like I would I would go to my friends list, print them all out so I could like see them on paper. And then I, I would walk around Howard's campus literally with this like two like maybe like a hundred fifty page like document. And what? whenever I had a new interview, I would like <laughs> I would flip the pages and just type everybody's name in in one window and just like and then like spam twenty five people at a time until oh I was God. done with like, oh like fifteen hundred <laughs> friends. Like that was my email marketing for real. Like so, like wow. that's that's uh that's how I started. But but uh, wow. And then when you found out there were actually email marketing platforms, were you like, oh my god? Like I mean, and my, mind you, I didn't mind you. This was like I mean, this was this was years ago, man. This is like oh yeah. This is like this is like six seven years ago, right? So like right. then yeah. it it then it, I mean it was still spam. Like trust me, it was like then it was like <laughs> I found out how to take all of my Gmail contacts and like, well, well really what it was, was like, I, I did make like targeted lists and I did segment my list. Like I would have like a press list and I would just like mm. max out the number of emails I could send to like press people when I put a video ah. up. And then, but then I was like, yo, I talk to all these people on Gmail. I want everybody that I know to like know what's going on. Like I, I luckily I'm not, you know, I'm not in like, I don't know the, the, the porn business. So it's, it's, it's not like I, I can, send something and I'm like oh no I don't want my mom to see this you know what I mean so what I would do is like I would just export all of my gmail contacts into like a csv and like use some I would be like all contacts and so then I would like 
you know, blast out some of my interviews and stuff to like literally everybody that I ever communicated with in Gmail. And I mean, that made sense, but then it kind of didn't make sense because like people were, people would be like, it would be like job interviews that I went on, you know, and people would be like, why the hell am I getting an interview like from this kid who like mm-hmm. came into a job interview like years ago, you know? So I kind of had to figure that out um, and get certain people off that list. But I mean, even that was like, it wasn't strategic, right? It was Because all I was trying to do is get people to click and watch a link. When it became strategic is when I started throwing the parties and when I started realizing that, you know, immediately when you send an email, like people are taking out their wallets and purchasing tickets, you know? So it was like, oh, okay. So now everything became about how do we incentivize people to buy this ticket or how do we incentivize people to RSVP to this thing? Because it's literally like, I mean, I, I, it's like sometimes I have my friends just sit back and like watch when I'm doing some of this stuff. But it's so crazy because like, you know, it's literally, it's like an hour. You look at the hour from when I send the email to like when the email goes out, if you look at the hour after, right, you'll see sales, you'll see RSVPs, you'll see whatever, right? And then mm-hmm. you'll see, you'll see a drop-off. It's like a, like a, like it drops off a cliff, literally, like nothing yeah. happens. So like you, you realize that like when you email people, that's when they act and like, that's when mm-hmm. something goes on. You know what I mean? It's like when, when an email comes. But you have to you have to also treat your email list like like it's like it's just gold, you know what I mean? Like you can't you can't spam people, you can't email people too much. You know, I've had right. people come up to me, I'm in a party and people come up to me like, Jabari, stop emailing me, man and I'm I don't even know you. I'm like what the hell? Like you know what I mean? Like, damn. I mean there's an unsubscribe button, man. Like Right. You know, yeah. Come up to me. But you know, but you know, it's all good. I'm like, it's, but it's it's just funny, you know, because it's like it's personal, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. like people think that like social networks and all this stuff. But don't get me wrong; those things matter. But like, there's nothing more personal than like being in somebody's email inbox. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Like, yeah. even like at the party, people would be like, some people, like I said, some people just really don't know me and they don't know anything else that I do. They don't know it. So like, I'd be like, hey, I'm Jabari. And they'll be like, oh, you're the guy that sends the emails. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, um, that's me. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, man. But, uh, but yeah, email, I've learned a lot about email marketing through the party. And I'm, I'm, let me know if you need, like, if I, because that was kind of, like, grand. But, like, if you have direct questions on, like, what I've learned or whatever on email marketing. Oh, no, email. no. That's great. That's great. Actually, we should move on because we still have the Moolah Scoop and then the part two, and I don't want to keep okay. it too long. That's, that's actually perfect. Awesome. No problem. So we want to talk about Volume Visual. So you started Volume Visual in 2013 with Benoni Tego, one of the creators yep. from Off Block or Black Girl. So can you yep, tell yep. us a little bit about what Volume Visual actually is and how it helps artists? Yes, yeah, for sure. So Volume Visual, we uh, we started as a multi-channel YouTube network where basically um, we help channels uh, specifically related to hip hop and music. Uh, we help channels like increase their audience and you know their subscriber base and all of that stuff. Um, we kind of are now transitioning into more of like a digital uh, production agency slash company, and we're we're we, we kind of have a very small 
uh, client base, but we're doing more stuff now for like brands um, and helping brands create content with artists mm. and things like that. So, uh, but for, for like our biggest case study and um, one of our one of our biggest artists actually, uh, her name is Chanel West Coast, and a lot of people know her from uh, Ridiculousness. She hosts a show mm-hmm. with Rob Dyrdek. Um, she was also on like Robin Big and Fantasy Factory, and she's uh, she's uh, one of the artists on Young Money, Little Wayne's label. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, we I mean she really you know we came to her last year. She didn't really know too much about what was going on uh, on her YouTube channel, but she knew that you know she had videos that she wanted to get out. She wanted to build her audience, um, and she had a huge fan base on other social networks, right? So like she mm-hmm. had a huge base on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, but her YouTube just really was lacking. So, I mean, at the time when she started working with us, literally just a year ago, she had 2,000 subscribers, maybe like two or three videos. No, maybe like two music videos on our channel. Um, we were able to sort of develop a schedule with her and a consistent sort of like posting music video um, uh, schedule and timeline. And we put out a lot of videos with her uh, and helped her just like, get her page redesigned, annotate things the right way, um, have call to actions in all of her descriptions and links and all this stuff, and really just like, you know, revamp her channel top to bottom, um, integrate it with Google+. Plus. Um, and now, you know, she's literally uh, at like, probably in a few days, she'll be at uh, 100,000 subscribers. Um, wow. And, and yeah, she just has a, a way larger audience on YouTube. And, you know, YouTube is now like a viable, uh, uh, you know, like other income for her. So, you know, it's, it's great. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, we've been able to help another one of our clients is DJ who kid who, uh, he's 50 cents DJ. Um, and he's like just a, a very big hip hop DJ travels all around the world. Um, and he has a lot of content. He has a show on shade 45. Um, and he interviews a lot of artists. So we help him as well on his YouTube stuff. Um, and he's looking so to do you like, guys actually, well, do you guys actually oh, help them create the content or just help them with the marketing of their channel? Pretty much just the marketing of their channel, but we're we're, okay. we're trying to step into a little bit of the content side, but um but the content side is is this sort of phase 2 wherein it's going to be going uh more more so after like brands and like helping brands do stuff with artists. Um and so yeah, right now we have a client that we're working with. I can't really say, but it'll it'll come out soon, but it's a pretty cool like uh uh, client in the in the in the grooming space, um, so that would be dope. So that's not something that the label helps with. It's they have to find outside. Well, it depends. It, have to do that? Okay. Yeah, it depends. I mean, like typically when you're at a label, the label will help with that, but uh, we don't really focus on major label artists, right? So like, um, we focus on artists who are kind of a little more on the independent side. So like mm-hmm. if you're on a label, pretty much your your stuff is just going on Vivo. Um, but the unfortunate thing about Vivo is that no artist really controls their Vivo channel. And so like all of the subscribers and, you know, the, the subscribers that you're getting on Vivo, you can't just upload a video and like, you know, talk to those subscribers. Like the, you, you, you have to go through like a third party to access mm-hmm. that rather than like, right. you know, Chanel can just upload a video and say, hey, guys, want you guys to check this out or this is my new song or blah 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 you know um and she can customize her channel to look any way she wants you know with with a vivo channel you you can't really do that interesting and do you help them with their email marketing as well not yet but uh but definitely with chanel 
we're looking to do a lot more stuff with her. I mean, because she just, there's just so much growth potential for her and things that, uh, that she's, that she's, she's doing, but you know, there's so much more she could be doing. Um, so there's so many different opportunities that, that we're trying to, uh, to, to, to do with her. So very, very soon we'll probably start doing a lot more. That's so interesting. I'm actually, I'm working with, um, Chrisette Michelle right now yep. and yeah, yeah, we're creating her her website and working with her and email marketing and all that good stuff. And it's always interesting to me to see how much the label actually is hands on with marketing and how much the artist has to, you know, maintain that relationship with their fans and how they can make it genuine and and build their brand in a more personal way. So that's oh really yeah, amazing. I mean, yeah, the, I I would always say for a rule of thumb for artists is like just do not depend on a label for anything. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like, from 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 like literally from working at a label for two years like yeah the label is the label is like they the labels are reactive you know what I mean like labels mm-hmm. do things right. once things are like moving they don't they're not proactive um, mm-hmm. so you know that's that's yeah but uh but some artists some artists you know don't even need outside help when it comes to that stuff some of these some artists are really savvy and, and can get you know things done on their own but some artists some artists just want to spend time making art you know and uh, i don't blame them hey brand new nation as you know chris and i are all about helping you get brand new and one of the ways i stay on top of myself to make sure i'm always getting better and learning new things is audible.com At Audible.com, you get a monthly subscription, and every month you get a credit that you can use to redeem for any audiobook in the library. So far, I've listened to Fascinate by Sally Hogshead, which is really good. You should definitely give it a listen. Part of Getting Things Done, The Game, The Way of the Superior Man, The Desire Map. Uh, It goes on and on. I'm currently listening to uh, one by Zig Ziglar. So I've definitely upped my reading game on audible.com and I suggest you check it out too. So head over to brandnewnation.com forward slash audible and that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E and get your free trial today. And now it's time for the moolah scoop. Ain't nothing more important than moolah. So, as you know, here at Brandon Nation, we want to change the conversation around money and empower our guests to be honest and transparent about how much money they're making or not making doing what they love. So, um, we're going to get into some of the economics. We talked, you know, about your various businesses that you have, your various brands. Um, So, you know, if we could kind of get into how much are you earning through your various ventures um, for, you know, what you can share. Yeah. So, I mean, with me... As an entrepreneur, and as most entrepreneurs know, right, like, it can literally change all the time, right? So, like, I don't have, like, a set salary that I make from from one thing or two things because so much stuff is dependent on the success of, you know, of uh, how, how much success I'm able to, like, you know, bring from, like, one of these various ventures, right? So, like, for instance, mm-hmm. I can start with, like, you know, when I was working at the record label, and this was like mm, two and a half years ago. You know, I was entry level, making between thirty and forty thousand um, dollars, as well as working at. Uh, I had a the BET gig at the same time, so at the time, you know, BET that money varied from year to year. So you like you could you could easily be making from from an independent content creator that they're like hiring to get content for for like from a twelve month basis. Um, 
that could be between twenty and forty thousand um, dollars. Mm-hmm. It just kind of all depends. Now, when mm-hmm. it comes to like the 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 personal stuff and like the the companies that I I create, it's like the party, for instance. You know, you started off like I was explaining to you guys earlier. You started off with like you know doing free parties, right? And so like you don't really make money on a free party. I mean, you do make money from the bar and you make money from people who are like, you know, not, not RSVP, you charge them. Um, but the real goal is to get the, like I was talking about emails earlier, is to get it, your email list to a point where you can then sell tickets. And that's at the point that I'm at right now. So like, well, you can sell tickets to two parties, both coasts, um, you know, and, and the ticket price will vary, right? So the ticket price, on a low end will be five dollars, but on a high end will be twenty bucks. So you you try to say like the average ticket price is like ten to fifteen dollars, right? So if you do the math, ten dollars, ten to fifteen dollars, selling between three and four hundred tickets for one event, and then you know you times that by two, that's essentially like that's I think that's like probably the height I could get this party to. You know what I mean? And so. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the that's that's the the goal, and then then it becomes about like same same as like in like a Best Buy or something like that, where it's like people try to upsell, right? So like you know mm-hmm. once you figured out how to make money from what you're normally doing, and like how to how to once once that those wheels are turning and that's consistent, then you always want to say, well, okay, well how can how can we expand this? You know, like if you get into a point where you can't sell any more tickets and there's no more space, well, what else can you, you offer of value? It, Cause that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. It's not just about like making money and it's not just about like selling things to people. You know, it's really about what do you believe in and you know, what, what is, what is like, what is a void that needs to be filled? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so for me, with that, that was the the merch and the apparel. That's when I started. That's why I started by Coastal, um, mm. and so that's kind of like the merch arm of like uh, what I when I was talking to you guys earlier about like how I look at artists and and I've been able to be around a lot of them and see how you know successful they become off of like their touring and their merch. It's the same mm-hmm. thing that I approach to like the live event space, which is like you know I have all these people in the room um, and they're having a good time and they're buying tickets. And also there's an also another opportunity to, to, for merch, you know? And so like my merch line by Coastal, I just started it. It was a lot of investment um, initially, but you know, to, to the, the return on it for me is probably not going to happen like immediately, but it's not an immediate thing. Like it's a long-term play um, mm-hmm. because. What kind of investment time. are we talking? Um, so let's see. First run. I'll probably say for everything, I mean, man, because, like, there's so many things, like, I mean, just for the hats alone and everything, you're looking mm-hmm. at, like, maybe, like, four grand. Um, mm-hmm. But then you're also talking about, like, just the, the you know, website. Um, I have this, like, digital printer or, like, not digital printer, but, like, a thermal printer that prints out labels um, mm-hmm. when I ship hats and stuff. Um, that And then, like, you know, getting the Shopify account set up, uh, mm-hmm. T-shirts, all that. I mean, yeah, probably, I mean, after everything is said and done, probably looking at like six grand probably. Okay. Um, and did you do your Shopify yeah. site yourself? 
Um, my my boy Marcel from Trelectro did. So yeah, okay. I mean, it was just me, awesome. me and him. Um, we just work out of our out of our homes. Uh, we're probably gonna get an office out in LA, like hopefully before the year is up. But we kind of like working out of our homes because it's comfortable and like we can just like, you know, be in basketball shorts and. Right. Um, but uh, for, but yeah, and like for, so. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. I wanted to oh, ask no, for yeah. for the parties. How much yeah. do you have to invest in, or what are your expenses like for the venue, and are there any other costs that you have to be Maybe aware DJ. Of? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean the venues. There's no cost for the venues just because I've um I've been doing it for a while, and like you know what what the venue wants is a bar guarantee, right? So like the venue wants you, yeah, they want you to basically say, okay, guarantee us that the bar is going to hit, you know, between four and $5,000, sort of depending on what venue, because I'm doing it on a weekend, right? So that's like a a day that they would expect a lot of, a lot of bar sales. So, Mm -hmm. you know, once the, once, once the bar hits that amount, then you can, you start to collect a percentage of the bar after that. You know, so like if it hits five thousand, once it hits five thousand, you might get ten to twenty percent of the bar, depending on the venue. Um, but if it doesn't hit that, then you owe that money to the bar. You know, so that's the risk. So you got to make sure that you're getting enough people in there that can drink like enough drinks throughout the night that you can, you know, hit the bar. So, uh, so that's that's luckily there's no venue charge when you're sort of like an established like you know party throw or whatever um mm-hmm. but then of course you do have your your cost for your djs um and it, i would say a typical party could cost anywhere between 500 to a thousand dollars to throw you know and that's dj staff um uh you know when i say staff i mean like door photo video right. um and yeah and that, that that that's that's pretty much that you could probably cover your basis with that. It just kind of all depends on how big the party is, how long the party is, where the party mm-hmm. is. Are you selling tickets to the party all this stuff? So do you generally break even with the amount that goes over the bar charge or whatever that threshold was? Or do yeah, you so find that you're coming out it, of pocket. Uh-huh. No, no, no. Me, I mean, I mean sure I've had duds. Like I've had parties where like I've only broken even. I haven't I've yet to have a party where I've lost money. Um, oh, good. Um, yeah, that's just because like I'm, I'm luckily I keep my expenses low. Um, but yeah, but I've, I definitely, uh, have like just broken even and like that's, you don't want to break even because that's like, you know, it's, it's so much time and energy spent in like, you know, the, the making one party. So like to, to come out of it with no profit always sucks. But like I said, now it's, it's such a well-oiled machine where like I, that just wouldn't even happen anymore. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I've been doing, I've been doing parties now for like three years. So it's at a point where like there's, there's enough people on the email list. And then I'm like, I also do like free parties. Like I just did a party called tonight where I just, it was like a pop-up party in LA. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Where I just like sent people the information. Oh, with Hash, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just sent people, like, the information that day of, and, like, we had, like, like 150 people came to that with, like, nice. uh, maybe maybe eight hours notice. Um, wow. So, you know, like, I'm, I'm 
constantly going to be doing other stuff like that to continue to grow the email list. And then like I'll do one off, you know, free colors parties, right? So like, yeah, it'll be for like, you know, just for people that maybe they just found out about colors late and they don't know how dope it is, but they don't want to spend the money on the ticket. So like I'll eat the cost of like one party, you know, or maybe two parties out of the 12 months of the year in both coasts. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then what that will do is like, because the party is not typically free anymore, that will raise the email list like crazy because people will be like, oh my God, it's a free one. It's just like, you know, you know what happened today or not today, yesterday, I took my little sisters and um and my, my boy's daughter to, uh we all went to like 7-Eleven, right? For the free Slurpee day. Oh, yeah. and, like, and in my neighborhood, I live like, there's mad 7-Elevens in my neighborhood, but like there's, there's one in particular that's like super residential and it's like close to like everybody's house. Right. Like, and so we went to that one and yo, it was madness. It was like, it was crazy <laughs> because it was free. Right. And, yeah, and it was because mm-hmm. like when, it, when you do something for free, people, people feel like they have to get it because it's free. Yeah. Like, and like, you know, my mom used to tell me like, everything free ain't good for you. And like, that's true. Like, you don't need to get something that's free. But that's just I'm how people. Sure, yeah, that's just, are not good for me. Yeah, exactly. So like, even me, like I'm a health nut, right? And I'm out here like <laughs> sipping a banana Slurpee like a fool. But like, you know, that's, that's just like, that's just how people are, right? So it's like, yeah. and then so another funny part of the story is like the other day, like the day before, I think, or maybe two days before me and my sisters went to go get like, 56 cent like uh ihop had some like special it was like a 56 cent short step it was like the oh, 56th wow. anniversary right and they were telling me like last year they went to ihop when they had free pancakes and it was crazy they said the line was out the door everybody wanted it yo there was there was nobody in this ihop for 56 cent short stack of pancakes and i say that <laughs> to say like Yo, you you charge people fifty six cents for something, and they're like, ah, fuck that. You know what I mean? It's fifty six cents. Right. It's free, and it's a wrap. Everybody's coming out in droves. Mm, you know what I mean? So like, right. yeah, all of that. Like, it's it's so crazy how like the consumer's mind thinks. Um, right. I was even thinking that when you were talking earlier about surprise party in L.A., you did the first one for free, and everybody and their mom came out. And the ten dollar one, I was at both, so I saw how different it was and what the vibe was like. It's ten dollars. Yeah. It's not even like. It's not even that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everyone and so, but, had an but, amazing time. The day, the night, or, you know, a few weeks before or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just yeah. like, so now me as a businessman, understanding the mechanics of that is like, mm-hmm. I don't charge people now. Well, now, man, I do. But like, I, 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 I had to get to the point where I know that I'm talking to a large enough group of people through my email list that even if a sh- small amount of those people come, it's still going to be a success. You see? Right. So like, yeah. that's essentially like how, how I started to, to maneuver and, and, and think. Um, and so, so you know, those your... are those. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I was just going to then talk about like, you know, then on the film side, that mm-hmm. stuff could, I mean, it could vary so much in terms of like right. money being made. Um, I mean, like I'm working on my next film right now and that, you know, I'm, I'm like literally in the middle of, the deal and it's just a like the deal is you know you get paid as a director but you could also you know participate in depending on what my role finally ends up becoming I could participate in like you know like the back end money of the film um but it's so it's that I I actually legally can't talk about like how much that is um mm-hmm. but 
that is like it just it can vary but it's like because this is my like uh quote unquote my like directorial debut it's like not the biggest but um but it's also like you know different than like youtube money it's way bigger than that so yeah what about volume visual yeah so volume visual volume visual it all that's a I wish I could talk about that a little more. Like, it's just because each of our clients have different uh, agreements. And so, like, right. that's another one. Like, legally, I can't give specifics. But, um, mm-hmm. but volume you visual. Based it on, or I was going to ask, do you base it on how much of the service you're providing? Or is everybody getting the same service and there's just different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. You've got it. You've got it right. Um, okay. it's, 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 it's based on the service that we're providing. So, like, if we're doing something more for another person, um, or if we're getting a person a brand deal and it's like, you know, that that's a little bit more time and energy to craft something like that than it is to like, you know, manage their YouTube, um, mm-hmm. then obviously we're going to want to participate a little bit more in the, the revenue split from that. So, yeah, it just it just sort of depends. Um, and it's and it's deal by deal. But um, but it's definitely, you know, it's fair. And everybody like that's the, that's the thing is like, you know, you have to really ask yourself when you're doing business, right? And when you're doing business with people, when you're paying people and when you're being paid, you have to just sit back and think like, okay, is this fair? You know, like, Mm -hmm. and if it's fair, like a lot of times both parties are happy. You know, when when both people can say like, yeah, you know, this is fair. Like, this is what, you know, I feel comfortable giving this and this is what, you know, and it's, it's, it really just boils down to that. Is this fair? Like, I, I don't ever want to be doing stuff that's not fair. I don't want to be on the, the 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 side of, like, being that, that person giving an unfair deal. And I also don't want to be on that side as an artist, you know, getting an unfair deal. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the thing. It's like, is it fair? And, and I think that most everything that I do is pretty fair. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't really get into, like, issues or... or, or things with like clients or you know people that people that I'm having a a business exchange with and I have a question about um so for volume visual you know you're going out and getting brand sponsorship and I'm just curious about like the size of those like are we talking like you know two thousand dollar kind of brand deal or is it like you know six figures like you know what are the realistic expectations of like you know brand sponsorship for uh people who have you know big YouTube followings oh man I mean well, see, with Volume Visual, uh, we don't really have that many clients that are, like, massive on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, we, like, I mean, Chanel is our biggest. And, like, she's she's big, but she's, like, you know, relatively big. Like, it's not like, you know, somebody mm-hmm. with, like, two to three million subscribers on YouTube. Like, I, I know those deals look way larger than the stuff that's remotely coming across our plate. I mean, I would say, you know, the, the, the maximum or something that we've done for somebody is probably like five grand. Um, mm-hmm. but, but that's not to say that that's, that's not as big as like other things, you know what I mean? That like are happening on YouTube. I mean, people are for sure. And like, let alone YouTube, but like, I mean, I'm friends with a lot of these Vine people as well. And, um, oh. and like some of these deals that's going on for Vine, you're talking about like people doing like a few six second videos and getting paid like, you know, between 10 and, and, and 30 grand easily. Wow. Yeah. For of all of your ventures, which one brings in the most revenue for you? Um, 
it would be between it would be between the the party and me as like an individual but like it just depends because like the 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 party is a separate thing but then me mm-hmm. as a filmmaker and as an individual like I may do stuff with brands like you know I just did a campaign with Sprite um and like I that's that's something where it's like it's me as an individual or me as a filmmaker mm-hmm. like sometimes it's sometimes it's something where I like being sort of multi-talented because I could do stuff like I I literally could like work on a project for a label like and you know people might not even know but I I could like you know be hired to shoot like something some documentary style thing for some artist right or you know a company like Sprite could hire me to like you know head up this campaign and interview artists and like you know sort of like be the 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 sort of voice of whatever it is they're trying to push you know, I've done that with brands a lot of times. Um, so it's cool because, like, sometimes it's very much behind the scenes or sometimes it's very much like, hey, we are working with Jabari on this thing. Like, look, you know what I mean? Um, and so mm-hmm. that all of that stuff within a year, like, could easily, you know, be the same amount that the party does. It just it just kind of depends on uh, on what kind of year I'm having, honestly. But it would be it would be both of those things. Um, and then, you know, volume visual is like a small baby company that's growing by coastal is a company that's growing, you know, so we're trying to get those things to be at that point. Um, and then as well, like a lot of my time right now too, I, I, I keep shouting out to electro, but like so much of my time is being spent on that music festival as well, because it's, uh, it's starting, um, starting to really like creep up and, uh, it'll be happening for those listening in the DC area. Uh, it'll be happening on uh, August 23rd. So mm-hmm. I'm so excited. Um, I I have to come this year. I have not been yet. Oh yeah, yeah please, come. please. It's it's gonna yeah. be our biggest it year. Seems we like gotta, you have to come. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so I should be yeah. there this year. Finally. Yes. Really dope. Big Sean Bauer, Scissor, Migos. It's gonna be a crazy year. Man, looking forward to the Migos for sure. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Cool. <laughs> Nice, nice. All right, so uh, final question for part one. Uh, we know Trilectra is coming up, but what's next for Jabari Johnson? What's the next big thing that you want to accomplish? Oh, definitely my film. Um, my next mm-hmm. fe- feature-length doc, um, it's, it's, I can give you guys a little bit of info on it. Um, it's, it's basically, it's a look at fans and, um, and why people become infatuated with musicians. I can't really Ooh. say what the name of the, of the film is, but, uh, but it's going to be a really big, uh, music documentary. And, um, and it's kind of, uh, it's kind of just a look at like contemporary culture and sort of the age we're living in, uh, with social media and fandom and all this stuff. So yeah, it should be, that is like my baby and I've been working on it for quite some time now. And it's, it's wow. looking like things are starting to really progress and, and pick up with it. So that's my next yeah. film. And then, um, what else am I really looking forward to? Bicoastal. Bicoastal is really, uh, another thing that I'm really excited about. A lot of stuff is going on with the brand and I'm really just trying to encourage travel amongst young people and, um, through clothes. I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's, I've done my due diligence on research and I haven't really seen any other clothing brand that sort of, uh, that has been like inspired by travel or sort of like, you know, has this like underlying message of encouraging travel. 
Um, so yeah, that's what I'm trying to do through through clothes and through different pieces and products. So our first hat is uh it's called the Take Flight Snapback and it's out right now at bicoastalusa.com. Um, so I'm doing a lot of cool stuff with people and different shoots coming up and yeah, it's that that's those are the two things that are like, you know, right on the horizon for me. And then um and then of course the parties and uh I haven't made this announcement yet, but like there will be a colors DC coming up. So a colors what? DC. 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 Yeah. Is that uh, during electro or no? Is it gonna be much? Uh, I would say it. It may or may not be the official <laughs> pre party for electro. Nice non-answer. Maybe. Nice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, like thank you so much for just sharing about your journey, like your three big moments where you got brand mm-hmm. your big brand new moments, and then sharing about your various businesses. Um, and so, I mean, there's one thing that you are amazing at that we would love for you to stick around for. Um, so would you mind sticking around for the next segment and telling us the three steps to establishing a relationship with and interviewing an impossible-to-reach celebrity? Yes, definitely. Thank you guys so much for listening to Part 1 with Jabari Johnson. You can download Part 2 of this episode now over at brandnewnation.com. Thank you for joining Danny and Chris for the Brand New Nation podcast. If today's episode helped you get brand new, then please take a moment and leave a review and share this with a friend. It's okay, we'll wait. And you'll find all of today's show notes and other goodies over at brandnewnation.com.